the uh, title of the talk might sound a little technical, but um, all being well, the talk won't be. So the uh, title for the talk is The First Three Links in the Chain of Dependent Arising. How about that for a mouthful? The First Three Links in the Chain of Dependent Arising. So, uh, I'll go back in time a little bit uh, with you and then address uh, the theme and I think, all being well, you will see and recognize uh, how it relates to the immediacy of life experience. But firstly, back in time. <clears throat> One of the most famous of all stories of human history, in its briefest sense, is the story of uh, Gautama. The prince, living a life of self-indulgence, immense privilege, power, position and status, and following in the uh, footsteps uh, of his father, King Suddhodana, uh, to eventually become um, the king of uh, the country of the Sakyan people here in uh, North India. And then, disillusioned with that, um, living in a major uh, dysfunctional family, I actually wrote, uh, I gave a talk on it. Apparently it's the most, the talk which has been listened to most of the talks that I've given says something about our lives, doesn't it? And he fled. In the middle of the night, he split. And most people, many people who have heard of the Buddha will have heard he ran away from the palace, spent six years in a search, got enlightened and taught. Plenty of people in the world know this single one-line statement, this is the Buddha, there. The story is interesting, I don't find it particularly significant, but what's more significant is what was realised, therefore made real. And this, under the, after the event under the tree, he spent, it is said, some uh, seven weeks engaged in further meditation and reflection. And in the realization that came to him, realizations, one was, of course, the immense potential for women and men on this earth, equally, to wake up, to live a life in which one is not contracted, unhappy, nor suffering, through the power of wisdom, and clarity and inquiry and exploration. There is this extraordinary, precious potential to emerge out of the darkness, shall we say. What accompanied that, and this is what the talk is going to relate to, 
He said, things do not arise, this is important, by themselves. Things do not arise out of themselves. They arise, arise, that's dependent arise. They arise because the conditions are there for them to arise. It took the conditions um, of our mother and father to meet together in order for us to be here. They didn't ask us beforehand. We weren't invited. They enjoyed themselves, hopefully, and we emerged uh, out of it. We are dependently arising. We look at a tree, it is dependently arising. It needs the water and the air and the soil and the nutrients and the wind and the rain and much, much uh, uh, more. And then there is the tree emerges. It, it requires the conditions for something to emerge. He said that in this world that we live in, there is no exception to this. No exception. Not one tree, not one flower, not one planet, not one forest, not one building, not anything. It requires conditions for something to emerge. There. This view, this truth there, it's in a way unarguable against. If it was not true, if something could arise out of itself and have no conditions, nothing whatsoever could affect it. It would be absolutely permanent, absolutely eternal, because there's nothing around which could affect it. It arises out of itself. Those of us, all of us actually, we're all in the, what I call, the ageing club. Everything's in the ageing club, we might say. And why is that? Because we don't exist independently of ourselves. And the confirmation of it is, just look in the mirror. I found some old photographs of myself locked in a box at home from school days, there from when I was a child. I wasn't quite sure which one was me. We all, kids all look much the same uh, there. The climate and the change and the dependent arising conditions changes one. The nature decided to go from dark hair to bleach my hair white. I don't remember inviting the nature to do that. I don't remember going to the nature hairdresser and saying I'm tired of dark hair, I think I'll have a white coloured hair, uh, etc. The dependent arising conditions change this. 
He then said, This is so significant, but it's so difficult to understand. And it's so out of, he didn't say this, but out of the box, in which there is there were two strong views. One is, God created the world, God called Brahma, that means God the creator, the same as the Middle Eastern God, the Christian God. God the creator created the world, he loves us, if we believe in God, we believe in his messengers, we, um, then we would go to heaven uh, when, we, when we die. One strong view not to underestimate the view because millions, billions, whatever, do heartfelt believe this view of life. There is God who created the world and we are his sons and his daughters and if we live the good life, if we believe in, etc., we will go to God. There are others, he said, whose primary interest is the self. The self, as talked about, consumerism, materialism, being successful. He said there is another way of looking and relating to life and an aspect of that way is to look at the dependent arising conditions. And what specifically are the conditions which contribute to what is, so to speak, happening to us? And what's going on with us? Do we need to find ways to change the conditions which make our life a problem? Do we need to find ways to, make, to change the conditions inner, outer or both which make our life a problem or make problems in our life there and then he said people are so freestyle translation here people are so involved in their religious beliefs people are so involved in their personal, secular, social, family, prosperity, dynamic. They just are not going to have an interest in this, what I've realised, and, the, and therefore, he, his words were, it will be tiring, frustrating, wearying to try to explain it, to try to help people understand this. He said it would be tiring and wearying to try to communicate it if people are just not interested in this. I know how he feels. So then, a good Brahman, Brahman comes from the word Brahma, the Brahmins felt that only they had the authority to speak about Brahma. That's how they call themselves Brahmins, and the Buddha dismissed all that. But one Brahmin came to him and said to him in Bodhagaya, look, there are some people, with the metaphor, 
who have little dust in their eye, who are deeply interested in the inquiry into life. Find those people, speak to those. And that gave uh, the, the Buddha some extra energy to explore. So look, just woke up, he knows what liberation is, he realized, realizes what wisdom is all about, He's been engaged for seven weeks after the experience under the tree of reflecting about conditions, affecting our lives, affecting the lives of others. Realize how important conditions are. We have to look at those conditions to end the suffering. And then, this fully enlightened one has some thoughts arising. They won't get it. Why bother? And it took somebody else, a Brahmin, to come and speak to him and say, look, there are people around who are deeply interested in these things. Speak. I think it's a good story or a good uh, report or account for all of us. That sometimes we are not sure if this is worthwhile to do. Just as the Buddha wasn't. He wasn't sure. Sometimes we have needed the voice of the other to encourage us. The condition of the voice of the other has got us to do something because our own voice was stopping us. Plenty of times, because we're in India, over the years, and first came here in Hitchhike here from Europe in 1967, so half a century plus one. And over the years of uh, coming here, a few times, quite a few times in the West, I have said to people, why don't you come to India? Get out of the, uh, the Western paradise, and paradise in quotation marks. Why don't you come to India and experience India? And plenty of times over the years, people have said to me, Christopher, I've often thought about coming to India and I've been waiting for somebody to invite me. And I said, right, I'm the guy. I'm inviting you. Come. And sometimes we just needed someone to give us a little extra push. It's a condition for dependently arising in India. This is what dependent arising is about. You get the point. All right. So there are 12 aspects to this. I'm not going to go through the 12 of them. Um, as, as I said, the title of the talk today is an exploration or inquiry into, the, into th the first three links of the chain of dependent arising. There are 12 of them uh, uh, there. Every single one relates to our existence. 
I'll go through the twelve, but I'm only going to address uh, uh, the first uh, three. The first one, and this is the links when the outcome in the process is making something problematic for us. That's the point here. It's a, an inquiry into the problematic aspects of human existence and the recognition of some of the conditions that make our life a problem at times. First one is translated as ignorance but avija, the word, literally means not seeing, not knowing, not realizing. Not seeing, not knowing, not realizing and the outcome of that is something problematic. Second factor is not linear, just it's a circle, it's all of them about it. It's the movement inside of us around sometimes unhelpful, unwholesome um, intentions and sometimes even with wholesome healthy intentions still can be supported with a condition of not realizing and seeing and so we can end up with that uh, English phrase probably common in most language the road to hell is lined with good intentions so we it, so from not seeing can come in everyday language good intentions bad unquote uh, intentions and can lead to problems even without good intentions the third is that it, the first two have an impact on consciousness and I just want to concentrate on that with you uh, uh, today and to explore how it shows itself in some examples in our experiences in our daily life. The fourth is that then has a condition on our mind and body. And an outcome of all of that is some in contact or impressions. Just, and from the impressions can generate certain feelings and the feelings generate a wanting and wanting generates a holding and a clinging and that becomes a thing, a kind of an existence for us and that then leads to more suffering and so it flows on like that. So the encouragement with the teachings and the practices is to explore when there is a difficulty not just to be mindful of it but to see what are the conditions that generated this difficulty and what's going to change it? What are the conditions that produce this difficulty and what is the change which is needed? It's not enough just to look at something and thinking by being mindful of it will change. You could be mindful of the same problem for decades. You're very clear about it, it's a problem. You're really mindful of it and you've talked about it with everybody who can bear listening uh, there. 
But it's no guarantee that any change will take place just by being mindful of and talking about. No, no guarantee. So, with the first three there, there can be some experience which arises in the living present. We know it is a problem. Actually, mostly because the thought is arising, I wish this was not present. A problem is when something is present and it's not wanted. So, to take a small example uh, uh, with you. Some years ago, actually at IMS, uh, there's a lovely meditation uh, centre in the uh, uh, United States. And I'd given a uh, talk on, on suffering and human existence and problems and stress. And, da, da, da. and one of the good participants, uh, a woman, came to uh, the one-to-one and she said to me, Oh, you Buddhists, I'm not even, I'm not a Buddhist, but she said, you Buddhists, you're always talking about dukkha, you're always talking about suffering, all you Buddhists ever talk about is suffering, suffering, suffering. Not quite true, but maybe it isn't. And that's all you ever talk, talk about. She said, There's suffering in life. Everybody suffers. Just accept it. This is what life is. It's this, it's good, it's bad, it's happy, it's sad, and there's, and there's suffering. Just, just accept it. Everybody suffers. And I said, thanked her for her, her view uh, there, while shaking my head from side to side. And uh, a year later, The same good lady, sitting in much the same spot in the Dharma Hall, on the retreat. She comes, uh, and she comes to one one This good lady, I think probably in her mid-late forties, this good lady is suffering. Oh, oh she is suffering. And the reason for her suffering was, her good husband, aged around you, some of you are already smiling you know the story you can guess it the good husband around 50 has just rang off as it happens men have been doing it for a long time with a woman half his age <laughs> she's 50 she's 25 they've fallen in, in and she's angry she's hurt She's jealous, she can't sleep at night, she's stressed out. And while she's, you know, with a lot of tears, telling me all of this, uh, perhaps it wasn't very kind, so I said, there's so much suffering in life, everybody is suffering, why don't you just accept it? 
she did not want to hear this. <coughs> and she was upset with me. And I said, but weren't you the good lady? I had a conversation in this very chair, and you were in that chair, in this very room, around this very time, exactly one year ago. <gasps> yes. Yes. She said, Christopher, help me, get me out of this suffering. <laughs> <laughs> so the sweeping metaphysical generalizations, oh, life is suffering, why do you Buddhists always talk about it, uh, uh, etc. When it actually comes to the event, the, the event of emotional suffering, distress, unhappiness, jealousy, sleepless nights, can't eat, you know, pretty difficult, you know, there. What is it she, that's the good lady, did not see? This is called ignorance, not in a nasty way. What is it that was ignored? What is it that wasn't observed, wasn't recognized? Was there a blind spot in the relationship that wasn't seen? And that history of not seeing influenced the intentions. It can be, just using it as an example, that in the not seeing, the ignoring or the neglecting or whatever, certain assumptions were made. Oh, we will be together until one of us or both of us dies. This marriage is secure. It will continue uh, like, like this. Until death do us part, you be lucky. The average length of a marriage in England um, is eight years. It's going down every decade. It'll soon be eight weeks. <laughs> Not in my lifetime, but you know what I mean. So there's assumptions being made. Continuity is being made. Perpetuation is being made. They're believing it will continue no matter what. This is not seeing, not realizing, not knowing, not understanding. And that affects. One person said to me on a rather similar vein in relationship, uh, he said with uh, his uh, 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 partner that her interest seems to be keep going elsewhere. Whatever that might be. Her friends, her social life, her, her work, her sister that she loves very much, there. And he then said to me, and I keep telling her it has to change. I'm nagging her. And she has to... Now I need her. I need more time from her. And I said, I can't think of a better condition for to drive her out of this house, out of your home. I want you have more time with me. I want you to be around more. I need you more. 
nagging and wanting and nagging and wanting thinking, what's the thought going to be? Whoa, get me out of here. I'd rather go and hang out with, as my daughter said, with the girlies, with her mates. Sometimes in our ignorance called complaining, where we want something from the other, whoever he or she is, we don't realise, we think it's a good intention. But the outcome ends up the exact opposite of what we want. Not realising, not knowing, not understanding. And that affects the consciousness, meaning the being conscious, in, in fact, in, more, in our kind of Western language, actually being rather unconscious. We're talking, we're speaking, we're making generalised statements, we're giving somebody a hard time or whatever we think we're really conscious but actually we're speaking and talking and thinking but we're actually unconscious because we're not realising that the mode of behaviour is not supporting it's turning people off so the Buddha gives the twelve links the first three are not knowing, not seeing, having some influence on our intentions and our actions and our behaviour, which influences the condition of our consciousness, means how we react or we respond. It's a real practice for us here, and it isn't easy, of course, is Yes, we engage in the meditations and the mindfulness there. If an issue is quite strong for us, some, some difficult states of mind, some hindrances, means hinder means to get in the way of wisdom or love. And it had some, Im- sorry, is having some impact on us we can beneficially just turn the mindfulness back and ask ourselves quietly and thoughtfully what is it that I didn't see that influenced my mind they're called samkaras and that influence on my mind is influencing the way I look at a situation that's called consciousness what is it that I didn't see that's influencing my mind that's having an outcome influencing my way of looking at things and therefore I've made a problem out of it. And we have in the silence as well as meetings with Noah and myself um, and the meditations some opportunity here for some quiet reflection to help understand dependent arising what are the conditions which bring something about and it might be 
that in the recognition of some of the conditions that we may see one or more which we have a sense we really can change. On a retreat in Budgaya uh, 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 years, years ago, uh, one of the uh, guys, young guys uh, on the retreat, he was wearing, those of you know India well, a lungi, uh, cloth around uh, the waist, and uh, the pyjama, like I like to wear, the long shirt. Yeah. And he had rather a lot of uh, energy. Sometimes the energy builds up during the days. So instead of doing some slow walking, he thought in the grounds of the temple he would do a run. He would just run, which is absolutely fine with me. And he started to run, but he forgot that he had the lungi around him. Yes, you got it. And his big toe caught in the bottom part of the lungi. So instead of running, he flew. (laughs) So in the midst of these meditators, this guy flew off the air, leaving his lungi behind. (laughs) And landed, poor thing, on his hands and on his knees. You know, see with that. So I saw this. Uh, 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 yeah. It was kind of one of those m- mixtures of feelings you can have at the same time. I think many of us was. It was like pure Monty Python, you know. And it was hysterically funny to see, and at the same time, the same feeling. Oh God, my God, has he hurt himself? You know, could he, we could see the red on his knees and his palm of his hands, you know, two feelings all going together. So I walked over to him and uh, I said, what happened? What happened? And he said, I've got a load of energy there and I really needed to run. And he said, and I, he said the thought arose in my mind, I thought I would be spontaneous. So I put my teacher's hat on and said, how about a little reflection? What is the difference between being spontaneous and, and being crazily impulsive? <laughs> and then after he cleaned up his hands and his knees, and he was, he was fine and, and, and okay. I use it as a small incident Something occurs, dependently arising, little scrape on the hands and scrapes on the knees from flying and landing. Uh, Of course, blessed with the good uh, uh, recovery. But a little reflection to help know the difference between being spontaneous and the sudden impulse there. Just here last year, uh, in the retreat, uh, in the uh, evening program, uh, one of the uh, participants uh, from uh, Iceland genuinely um, had, rather odd with the language because it fits with the story, 
had a breakthrough experience and something which had troubled her for a long time, I mean since childhood, and was really distressing and unresolved. It had gone on and on, it would come up years and years, and then suddenly there was some clear seeing, she understood what brought all this about, and she really felt really free from it. First time in her life she she just finished this whole story which had uh, uh, troubled her. And so the ignorance, i.e. the not knowing, the not understanding, not realising, had finished and was replaced with an understanding. And understanding is when the problem is over. We might have all the knowledge, we might be able to explain it, but that isn't understanding in Dharma language. Understanding is that the issue really stands under one. It's really over with. That's what understanding. The issue is over with. If it's not over with, it's not understood. It's just that we have knowledge about, we have information about, but we haven't understood. She understood, she said. And then, back to the impulsive, meditators are a strange species, bless you. She came out, and she climbed a tree. I mean, you do not... You know, anyway. <laughs> and she had her second breakthrough experience. <laughs> the tree, the branch snapped. She dropped three metres, poor thing. And the outcome of that, uh, Sui, the uh, beloved cook, Dora uh, called um, and he came over the car and two or three people uh, uh, went with her to the uh, 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 hospital just outside of uh, Varanasi I don't know if any of you have ever been to an Indian hospital before it's a challenge to equanimity I have to tell you uh, there and just a little um, education here for you in the West, because we love privacy, we're obsessed with privacy, as we know, privacy. But it's not in the culture uh, here, bless India for it. And so when people are being treated, it's not like you're put on the bed or on the wheelchair, then wheeled off into a little private little room to be looked at. No, no, it's all going on in the hall at the same time. Injuries, sicknesses, leprosy, car crashes, bursts, everything, all going on together. Uh, there. The doctors are running from one to another. They took some x-rays. She had broken the arm at the top in two places. And uh, the doctor advised her rather staying in India, etc., that did everything to give her good support and really uh, there. And one of the good people here you know, with good intentions, but not my cup of tea, good intentions said, oh, well, she's a European, so she, she, we can make it that the doctor gives her priority. I said, oh, no, we don't. We don't have priority because of our colour. We will take, the person will be in the queue, will be treated along with everybody else. There's no privileges, it's not how we work in the Dharma. And so two or three hours later, 
came back and then the airlines were very, very helpful, the Indian Airlines for the transference of the luggage. He came home, she sent a very nice dana actually to Dora and myself and uh, for the uh, course. And despite the change, you know, the, the one breakthrough that's here that stayed with her and the other breakthrough stayed through for a few weeks until the plaster uh, came off. I just make the point, long story, make the point. There can be precious insights and breakthroughs, seeing and understanding, the ignoring, the not realising is gone. Now one has realised, one has understood something uh, there. Be mindful of too much energy being released, you might climb a tree, walk on the earth, better. That's all, better. In the exploration of ignoring habits and patterns, and the word samkara, for those of you interested in the Bali language, sam is coming together, and kara means action or activity, like karma, it's a bit close. So when something comes together and influences, it's called a samkara. The speech is a samkara, the body is a samkara, this is a samkara. It's an activity which has come together. And the conditions come together and something appears, shows itself, it's called a samkara. That which has come together. Sometimes what has come together inwardly is a series of impressions, memories, feelings, thoughts, ideas, views and opinions, habits and patterns. And it comes together and it required all of that to create an impression, whatever it might be. The impression can be quite strong and it's called a samkara. That impression, as was touched upon yesterday with you, uh, a little bit now, can have quite some influence on how we respond to a situation because of the impression. But the impression may not be helpful. And if we identify, that's another of the links later on in the 12 links, if we identify very much with our impression, we make the impression stronger. Please remember this until you die. If we identify very strongly with the impression, that means with the state of mind, with the samkhara, if we identify very strongly with the impression, the identification with it intensifies it, it makes it stronger. There. But the impression or the samkhara or the state of mind doesn't exist by itself. It exists because of what? Memory, impressions, ideas, thoughts, feelings, views, opinions, projections, fantasies, stories, belief systems or whatever. And if one takes a little bit out of that impression, 
takes a lot out of that impression, it can't hold together. Because the dependent arising conditions are being taken out. And sometimes, like a house of cards, you take the bottom card out, whoa, the whole thing's over with, it's gone. Liberation, waking up, is the capacity, alone or with others or both, indoors or outdoors, to notice and to be clear what needs to change so that this issue is no longer troubling. The issue may be the same, but one is not troubled by it. If, in a way of looking at the experience and at the conglomeration, meaning those factors which hold something together and make it problematic, that contracted sense, the teachings also and equally encourage us to look at that which is not that, to look at that which is not that. To quote the Buddha here, he says, one is mindful of what is present, in this case the issue, but he also says, one is mindful of what is not present, of what we are not seeing, what we are not noticing. And one really important aspect of this, really key word in the Dharma is appreciation is gratitude and the reason this he speaks of it as a divine element you can't get a higher language out of the Buddha than when he uses the word divine divine uh, the word is God the word is Brahma to abide in God, one aspect of it is to abide with appreciation, a joy, appreciative joy. So let's take an example. Here, the old samkaras are giving oneself, so to speak, a hard time. The old samkaras actually is the self, but in everyday language, it's giving oneself a hard time. And it keeps doing it and it, it seems so close we don't seem to be able to get any space around it we just habitually keep doing it so then the change in the view and the development is to develop appreciation and for some I've already mentioned this to one or two people uh, here so far is maybe to take pen and paper to give some time for some reflection if one is giving oneself a hard time or in the thought somebody else and to write down points of what you appreciate appreciate about oneself because that's getting neglected one is ignoring that because the tendency keeps going to the negative. 
and one's not getting out of it. And anyone who has done any extended period of time will, of meditation and retreats, will find, surely, sooner or, or later, that some of the difficult issues will arise and, of course, have to be worked with. But if we're developing within the being an appreciation for what's healthy and caring and shows empathy and kindness and much, much more, to really acknowledge that, that's not an ego trip. It's a recognition of the qualities of the being and to actually um, explicitly state them and sometimes just write them down. Uh, and that is important because when we don't recognize them, therefore we ignore them, we neglect them, this avijja, we don't realize their importance. Not only do we give ourselves a hard pick time as well, but we also tell ourselves nobody loves us, nobody cares for us, nobody uh, likes us, nobody supports us. If we give ourselves a hard time, then we have the view, and then when a difficulty occurs with somebody else, she or he may project onto us and may say something very unkind and cruel and nasty or go very cold and withdraw from us or, or whatever. We take it as a proof that what she or he or they said is true. And then we feel even worse about ourselves. We, so we tell ourselves, I'm unlovable, I'm hopeless, I'm uh, a jumbled up DNA and, it's, and I shouldn't have been born. And, and then we use the world and we take incidences out of the world to confirm that we're unlovable. And we exaggerate somebody who reacts to us and we take that condition we take our condition and we build and we make a nightmare out of it there. But what if we've got a practice actually it's a practice that the, the Buddha told Rahula his son to neglect, to develop. It's just a guess. Perhaps his son was pissed off with his father for leaving him and running away when he was only a week old. And maybe his son was angry and upset. So the Buddha said, do some loving-kindness practice instead. Maybe, I don't know what, what the motive was. So, what I mean, to get back to the point here, if I have a tendency to give myself a hard time and a tendency to add to it because a person reacts to me, either angry with me or goes cold and hard or withdraws. If I have practiced recognizing the qualities of the being there, 
which are there, that are present, are showing itself. And it gives one a sense of one's worth as a person. And there's a certain integrity in that approach. And to remember, the word integrity has a very close relationship with integration. <coughs> to be a really integrated human being uh, there is to be able to acknowledge and recognize the heartfulness, the uh, interest in others, the, the acts of kindness, the many gestures that are taking place around here. And all those moments of appreciation coming to us personally and coming on behalf of all of us actually nourish the being. And an important aspect of our days here is to really recognize and appreciate countless kindnesses that are going on in this environment. Not only while we're here, but of course all the appreciations that have gone to of course from being here days before we were here and many many others in the monastery and much much more besides there and if that cultivating and developing there's a wisdom in all of that and when something difficult happens to us in relationship to another their treatment of us their ignoring of us uh, whatever we can see yes this has happened this is a fact this person is rejecting me this person is walking out on me but there's plenty of appreciation for much more than that dependent arising condition that's the important thing that one's got a bigger sense of, of things And therefore there is a change which contributes to the wisdom, to the understanding, and that is dissolving the not seeing, influencing what's going on in the mind, and then influencing the, con the consciousness. And as in the chant which we used to do when I was a, a monk, Avijja Pachaya Samkara Samkara Pachaya Vinyana Vinyana Pachaya Namarupa Not seeing, not realizing, not knowing, influencing habits and tendencies, influencing consciousness, influencing mind and body. Well worth working uh, with and just Final, final uh, uh, word with regard uh, to this as well. That it is not that these links I just referred to are happening all the time in every moment. There's no, not true at all. It is just that in certain specific situations where there is something unresolved or problematic going on, then those aspects or conditions or links are at work. When in our meditations or in our day there is an authentic and genuine sense of being pretty content, 
appreciative of the people who are around, of uh, the environment, sometimes appreciation for the, for the challenge of it all uh, as well, to really acknowledge that because it's part of the appreciation. It, it, it's God within us, you might say. It's the divine within us expressing uh, itself. This has an enormous power because it helps to put in perspective problematic life. Let's have a quiet minute together, shall we? beings explore the dependent arising conditions. May all beings understand what needs to be understood. May all beings live with love and wisdom. <coughs> 